This is on page Nun Gimel in the Sefer Mitzvahs that we have. So again, as usual, we'll, we'll go through some of the halachas of this mitzvah and then some of the pinimis, the machshav of it. Happens to be, this week, the halacha side of it is going to be relatively short. It's not too complicated. And I can make it complicated, but I'm, I'm not going to. And then uh, the pinimis side will be a little bit more complicated. Um, as a shem. Okay, so Mitzvah Samach Dalet. Mitzvah Samach Dalet, he says the Rambam, the 64th Mitzvah in Taryag is Shetzivanu, as we were commanded, Shiemaisa Karben Chatas Al Toyer Haniskar. The 64th Mitzvah is to bring a Karben Chatas properly. In other words, when the Torah talks about the halachas of different Karbanas, how they're supposed to be brought, to what animals are supposed to be, how you process it, and so on. So last week we had the Mitzvah 63, was the Mitzvah of a Karben Oila, bring a Karben Oila properly. And the Mitzvah 64 is bringing a carbon chattas properly. So Eza chattas again, whatever type of chattas it is. We'll talk about soon in a few minutes, uh, different types of chattas, different categories of chattas. But the general mitzvah is whatever type of chattas a person is bringing, for whatever reason, to bring it properly. Vu and that's the Pasuk in Parsha Sav, Zeis Tairas HaChattas, this is the halachas of the chattas, this is how it's brought, and that's a mitzvah. Umavur Gamkin Vivayikra, and even in Parsha's Vayikra, it also explains some details how it should be shechted, where it should be shechted, what part of it should be burnt on the Mizbeach, what part of it should be eaten. So the general mitzvah, the general mitzvah, the general halachas of a carbon chattas. Okay, that's basically that. So now let's just go through just for a few minutes some of the basic details of what makes a carbon chattas unique as opposed to other carbonas. Again, there are certain steps, there are certain inyanim that sort of all carbonas share. So every carbon has to be shechted. The shechit, as we mentioned last week, is four basic steps in, um, in processing a carbon that are mamish absolutely necessary. You have shechita, haylacha, kabbalah, and zrika. Shechting the animal, receiving the blood in a cup, walking the blood to the mizbeach, and pouring the blood on the mizbeach. Those are four basic steps that every carbon is going to have. The, what's, so a chattis is going to be no different than that, and then there's going to be a part of the animal that's burnt on the mizbeach. Again, so what we'll focus on right now for a few minutes and what makes a chattis unique as opposed to other carbonates. What's unique about a chattis? So it's like this, just to bear, break it down, there's, there's, at least for our purposes right now, there are two categories of achatas, two types of, of chatois. There's what's called achatas hanechel, achatas, that's the chatas that's eaten, right? That's your average chatas. So, um, for example, if a person, we know uh, an average person is chayv to bring a chatas when? So if they do an avera b'shaigeg, by accident, an avera that carries with it the punishment of kares, Allah says that carries with it the punishment of karis if a person does that by accident. So uh, a person's mechal shavas by accident, a person eats chaylev, forbidden fats by accident. These are avayras that carry with it a karis if you did it on purpose. If you do it by accident, you're chayv achatas. So that's one category of chatas. That's called a chatas that's eaten. Because as we'll see in a second, the, the process is such is that after the blood is processed and some of the fats are burnt on this bech, the rest of the animal is eaten by the kahanim. So that's called a chatas that's eaten. And then there's another category of chattas, which is called chattas hanisrofim, chattas which are burnt. Those are rarer types of cases. I mean, um, I guess a more common, the most common, I guess, burnt chattas was brought on Yom Kippur. That was, uh, there was a couple chattas that were brought in the process of the Vedah of Yom Kippur by the Kain Gadol that was brought into the Kaddish HaKadshim. Those are from the category of a chattas that's burnt. And what that means is that after you process the blood and you go through the proper steps, instead of the flesh being eaten by kahanim, as we'll see soon, it's burnt outside Yerushalayim in a designated space. The whole thing is burnt. There's other more rare cases of where this type of chattas would be brought, the burnt chattas. 
for example, if a Sanhedrin, that's one of the examples of a Sanhedrin Paskins incorrectly on, on, a, on an issue that's, that's, that carries with it Karis. So, for example, I don't know if, 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 if uh, the Sanhedrin Paskins about a certain case that this is permitted on Shabbos and it ends up being they were wrong and, it, and, and, and most of Kla Yisrael did it because of what the Sanhedrin Paskins so then the Sanhedrin have to bring this type of chattas, a burnt chattas. Uh, these are, you know, rare situations. But I'll them, these are the two categories. So let's go through each one, talk about the process of each one, and then, uh, and then we'll go into the pinimis of what's going on with the chattas. So if you take a look at the Marmokamis, that you have the, the, the one that's typed up, you know. So just a few, a few Rambams in Hilchas Maisar Karbonis where he talks about the halachas of a chattas. So the, again, the first category we'll talk about is the eaten chattas, the more average chattas. Again, a chattas that's brought by the average person who doesn't have vera that carries with it the punishment of kares, but he did it b'shage. So the Rambam says as follows. Again, the, 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 what, again we're just going to focus on what makes a chattas unique. Shechita of a chattas is the same as every other carbon. It's done in the north part of the Azar, just like a carbon oila is. Receiving the blood is the same. Walking to the Mizbech is the same. Zerika becomes different. Zerika is unique. How is the, the, the spilling of the blood of the chattas on the Mizbech is unique by a chattas? How so? So the Rambam says like this. Ha-chatois ha When it comes to a chattas, that's eaten. Again, your average chattas. So domen ton dalad matones al-arba karnes ha-mizbech What you do is, if you remember last week we talked about the carbon oila. A carbon oila is done, the blood is, is, is literally, it's, it's thrown on the Mizbech by two opposite corners, right, uh, sort of spilling on, 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 both, on all sides. But the carbon chattas is unique, is that the kain would get very like, close and personal with the, with the Mizbech, as we'll see soon in the process. The, the, the blood of the chattas had to be smeared on each one of the four corners of the Mizbech on top. The top part of the Mizbech, literally the top four corners, he would use his finger to smear blood on each one. And the Raman will give the exact description of how. So again, achatas and achalas, eaten chatas, daman ton dalad matanis, its blood needs to be have four matanis. You have to you have to put on the literally put on the mizbech four times. Al arba karnis hamizbech achitzan on the four corners of the outer mizbech in the azar. Michatzi mizbech lamala. And these these four corners that I'm talking about is the top half of the mizbech. Right? Remember the oila was the blood of the oila was thrown on the bottom half of the mizbech. The chattas blood is placed on the top half of the mizbech, preferably all the way on top, but anywhere the top half is good enough. The keitzer oil says, so what was the process like? So the Rambam says like this, So again, the kain, the, again, the, the animal shechted, the blood is in the cup, he walks it to the mizbech, so the, the kain now is walking with a cup full of blood. He now brings it to the mizbech. He takes his pointer finger, his right pointer finger, Dips it into the blood in the cup. The soimich betzboy hagedoyle mikan ubegoyle mikan. And what he does is, I, I guess I, I've never dealt with cow blood, but evidently it's relatively thick. So he, what he does is he takes the blood. I hope it's not too gory for people. He takes the blood on his finger and he uses his other, his middle finger and his thumb to sort of keep the blood on the tip of the finger as much as possible, so it doesn't just, you know, drip down his hand. So he he he. That's what the Rambam is saying over here. Um, Again, but toivel let's buy He dips his right finger next to his thumb. In other words, the pointer finger badam in the blood. and he supports it. In other words, he tries to keep the blood to the, on the tip of the finger as much as possible with his with his middle finger and with his thumb. So he keep, he tries to, to do that to keep again the blood there. And doing so, he then smears the blood on the corner on each corner 
of the Mizbeach, until he gets off as much blood of, of, of his finger as possible. So he wants to like, like, like clean his finger along each corner of the Mizbeach. That's the process about how do you, how do, you do it. And the Raman then continues, in Maramaka number two, and every single time he smears the blood in each one of the four corners, he has to re-dunk his finger in the cup. So you can't use one, you know, dunking for a button. You have to re-dunk it every time. And now when, he's, when he finishes one smearing on one of the corners, he has to, again, he tries to get off as much blood as possible, but if there's any leftover on his finger after the smearing, he has to clean it off on the edge of the cup. You can't use, the blood that was used on one corner can't be used for the next corner. So you have to sort of clean your finger off. He then again dunks his finger in the cup again, and he does it to the next corner. Because any leftover blood that's on his finger, after smearing one corner, you can't use it for the next corner. So that's the process. Number three, the Ram continues. So he has four corners. How does he... You know, which one comes first and second and third and fourth. Mm-hmm. Where does he start? So it's like this. The Mizbeach, if we just imagine, the ramp of the Mizbeach is, is on, the, on the southern side. Okay, so you're walking up the Mizbeach on the southern side. Now the rule is that when you get on the Mizbeach, kol pina sha'ata paina. Allah is whenever you're turning, if you have to turn anywhere in the Beis HaMikdash, you go right. You always go right. So if he's walking up the Mizbeach, he now has four corners, and he has to obviously make his way around the Mizbeach. So which, which way do you go? The answer is he's going to go uh, counterclockwise. He's going to go right. That's, that's, the, that's the way he's going to go. So the Ram explains. Oil of again, he goes up the ramp. And he turns to the right. Okay? And he walks around the little, like, sort of, a, you know, an edge around the Mizbeach. The So again, if he's going from the south and he turns right, the first corner he's going to hit is southeast. Right? If you just think of a compass, right? So he, the first thing he hit is southeast. Then he continues moving counterclockwise. After the first corner, he then goes to the second one, which is northeast. Okay? Then he goes to the third one as he continues counterclockwise, which is northwest. Right? And he gets to the fourth one, which is southwest. That's, that's where he goes. The Ramam says, Now once he finishes completing all the four corners, he still is going to have a lot of blood left in the cup, right? Because he's only using a finger's worth. So the Ramam says, after he finishes all four corners, so, right, Mamish, where he was at that last corner, which is uh, the southwestern corner, right underneath him, there was a, um, um, what's it called, a drain. Right over there, called the Yisoy Hadraimi, the southern, the southern drain. So that's where he would pour the rest of the blood. Okay, that's basically the process of the Zrika of Achatas. Okay, the Zrika is now done. Now you want to process the rest of the carbon. What do you do? So Marmokin number four, the Ram then continues. Kate said, Maisachatas. And by the way, like, as Hashem, we should see this process. You know, it's like it has to come to life, as Hashem. We should be able to see it. So now, what's the next part of the process of, again, of this Eden Chatas? So, Shaykhid again, the nice in Adam, you Shechted, you do the blood we just described, you skin the animal, and you separate, you know, the Kahanim would, would go in and take out certain parts of the innards of the animal, certain types of fat, certain parts of the, of the, of the in, inside working of the animal. Again, we're not going to go through each what the insides were, but these are called the emurin, the, the inner fats of the animal that were burnt on the mizbech. Molchan, 
you would salt it, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, everything that was burnt on the Mizbech had to be salted. So there was some salt put on it. The Zarkon al Gabiishim, and they would lead the, the, these fats, these specific fats, up the Mizbech, put it on the fire, and there you go. Again, if they want to get their hands dirty, you know, uh, and mamish use their hands to carry the fats up, they can do that. If they want to put it in a vessel and carry it up, it's also fine. <clears throat> so nice and uh, uh, that's what you do. The sharbas are the rest of the flesh that's left over after these fats are burnt. Nechal kuna bazar eaten by the male kahanim and they have to be eaten in nazar. In nazar. Now, by the way, the process, the Gemara says, for example, that the eating of the kahanim when they ate the flesh of the chattas that was left over, it wasn't just like stam. You know, what are you going to do? So might as well eat it. The Gemara talks about that. That kahanim oichlim ubailim miskaprim that the eating of the kahanim on some level was part of the, the avoided process of the carbon, and the, even to the extent that the full completion of the kapara for this person that's bringing the chattas came to fruition dafka when the kahanim ate from the carbon. So the eating of the kahanim was considered a level of an avoided. This was not a small thing. I, I, so much so, I'll give you an example. The, the Rishayim talk about the following question. We know that, generally speaking, the halacha is one is not allowed to sit in the azar. There's only one person that was allowed to sit in the Beis HaMikdash, and that was the king from Malchus Beis David. There's a, okay, the, there's a Ravid that says also the Kain Gadol, but Bederach Kla was just the king. But certainly the average Kain couldn't sit in the Beis HaMikdash. He had to stand. The Rishonim talk about this. So, so, so when the Kahanim are eating from the carbon Chattas, and they're just, so they have to stand, they're not standing. So okay, why they have to stand? The, the question we're trying to deal with is that, that, that the, the description of the Kahanim eating, eating carbonates in the base of Migdash is described as Lamashchit, it's described as a royal experience. Because again, they're eating it sort of on behalf of Hashem, it's a, it's a whole regal thing. So the Rishonim deal with this. They're, 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 they're literally standing and eating, like, eating a steak, like, whilst, and that's a regal thing. So some Rishonim say that this was the exception. Because the eating of the Kahanim is considered an Avoida, so they were able to sit in the Azar by doing so. Was so the, the halacha, no, it's a good question. The halacha was that the kahanim, there was a rotation of kahanim working in the base of So whoever was 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 um, was on sh- during that shift of that particular day or week, yeah. the kahanim the, the, it was divvied out. No, it wasn't specific. I mean, there, there was if let's say if I'm a yisrael and I'm bringing a carbon to the base of I'm bringing a chatas. So it's not really my decision. I can't choose which kain does my avodah. That's not your avodah is following Right. No, I'm dependent on them, but I can't choose which kain. That's not my, not my right. It, it happens to be, if I'm a kain and I come to the base of Megdash and I'm bringing a chattas, then I could, I could pick which kain because really I can do it and I'm just, you know, getting a guy to replace me. So but if I'm a Yisrael, I'm sorry? I, yeah, in theory. It's an interesting point. L'chaira, l'chaira, l'chaira. Yeah, I'm seeing why not. Yeah, right? It's one of those... <laughs> and then you get to eat it. <laughs> That's a good guy. I don't know. That's true. The mincha of kind is burnt. I don't know. It's a, it's a good art. Huh? Only in the azar. Only in the azar. And again, some Rishonim say they were able to sit because it was mamish and avayda. But uh, but yeah, that's that's only for the male kahanim. Only kahanim, not even bali mumin, but male kahanim. So that's the process basically of your average eaten chattas. Okay. Now, what about your rare case of a burnt chattas? As I said, like a uh, yom kippur. Or if the Sanhedrin makes a mistake, which is you know, unlikely in such a level. So what about that? So that's a completely different process. Over there, when it came to a burnt chattas, the Izrika of the dam on the Mizbech was completely a different process, completely different. It, 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 was, it was actually done inside the Beis HaMikdash. So in other words, again, you shech the animal, receive the blood in a cup, 
But instead of walking to the Mizbech in the courtyard, right, you now, you're going the other way. You go inside the Beis HaMikdash, and you, and you now, and, and, and the process of the blood now is in two parts. What the kind would do is that he would walk next to the Preiches, right, the curtain that divided the Kodesh HaKadshim and the Kodesh, and he would, he would, again, dip his finger in the, in the cup of blood and sprinkle it against the Preiches seven times. And then after doing that, he would then take the blood, go to the inner Mizbeach, and again, dip his finger and, and smear it on the four corners of the inner Mizbeach. So nothing was done on the outside of the Mizbeach. It was all on the inside by the Preiches and then the inner Mizbeach. After that, he would then take the rest of the cup, go outside and pour it in that, in that, um, you know, in that drain that I mentioned before. Then, once he did that, so that was the process of the, of the dam of these chatais. It was a completely different process. The next step was, again, take, skin the animal, take out those fats, burn it on the outer mizbech. That's usual. That's regular. And then after that, the rest of the fat, the rest of the animal, instead of being eaten by the kahanim, was brought outside Yerushalayim and completely burnt. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different process. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yes. My experience with um, the bite of the basic language is that they're very rigid. Yeah, right. Everything is very, very instructional. Yeah. I've had a mind at all, but <laughs> I've noticed like in Ratza, like, like this one, you know, I don't know if it's, like, yeah. it's an interesting it's horror. It's an interesting horror. I don't know. It's a good question. It's a good question. That it's that it's like, uh, if you want, you can. Because you're right. Right, right. Well, the, the reason, I mean, and the, the Farshim say the reason why the Ram is even saying this is because you might think that walking the, the, um, walking the Imurim to the Mizbeach is itself like an Avaida, in which case you have to be sort of hands-on with the fats. So Ram is saying it's not an Avaida, it's just a practical thing. You have to get it there, so if you want to use a Kli, you can use a Kli. But... That's, that's why the Ram is pointing it out. Sort of, that's his way of saying that this is not a, a major step in the process. So I guess, that, I guess that's the point. Because it's not an, an essential step, you know, it's not like the etzim and avayda, so it doesn't matter how you get it. You want to, you know, you can get a, a, what are those flying things, what are they called? A drone. You want to get a drone to get them? Get them you know, it, the point is it has to get there. So it's not about how. So the final Maramakam, just to, just to say with the Rambam, again, how he describes the burning of the chatas. Kate said, Maisa chatas hanisrafes. Again, what was done with these burnt chatas? Again, Shaykhid vizerk adam shalahem. You shecht it. You do this rik on the blood, as we explained, on the inside of the Beis Hamikdash, the preiches, and the inner mizbeach. Ve'achakach karun. You then again, you, you open up the animal. Maitzi and You take out the fats. You burn it on the outside mizbeach. Umaitzi shei rosin. And then you remove, you take the rest of the animal. Chutzliyir, outside Yerushalayim. You butcher it into pieces just like the oil was butchered, right? But together with the skin. And you burn it in this uh, place outside Yerushalayim that all these you know, things were burnt, the designated spot. Okay, so that's the general picture of how these two categories of chatas were made. Okay, so now let's move into some of the panemias and let's talk about the following question. It's a... Uh, this is not a... It's a sensitive idea. It's not a Pasha Dezach. We know, as I mentioned before, the general chattas, the average chattas was brought because a person didn't have vera by accident. So clearly, if a person doesn't have vera on purpose, you need a kapar. You did something wrong. We understand. If you did not have vera you're bringing a karban. Also, evidently, you need a kapar. 
So the question is why? What exactly do you need a kapar for if it was, a, it was an accident? I didn't know, I didn't know, I pushed it, I didn't know it was Shabbos, I didn't know it was Asr. It's not my fault. So, ben Nigla, in revealed Torah, in Pshat, the Ramban, in um, one of his storm, he wrote a statement called Shara Gamul. It's all about, uh, it's really primarily about like the din of Rosh Hashanah, and Olam Haba, Mashiach, Chismesim. So over there, he throws in a line, the Ramban writes, why a person needs a kapar if they did something wrong b'shagay. And the Ramban gives two basic explanations, very simple. First, the Ramban says, well, even if you did b'shagay, you, if you were super highly sensitive to that vera, you would have been on guard. So if you did something even by accident, it's a shtickle tain on you for not being super, super on guard and making sure even accidents don't happen. So there's a certain tain on the fact that you weren't super, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, protecting yourself and putting measures in place not even to fall into a mistake. Right, that's one mahalach. And the Ramban then suggests another mahalach, which is a little bit more pneumistic. The Ramban says that every Avera that the Torah says is Asr, it's not just like, when, whenever you do something wrong, the Ramban says, there's always two things that are happening. One is that you're rebelling against what Hashem said. That itself is, is wrong. And number two, the fact that the Rabbanu Shalom said this is Asr, it means this is, poison, this is damaging to your Najam. Like it's, it's be'etzim damaging. There's something wrong with what you did. So forget the fact that, you, that you're being rebellious. Let's say you're not being rebellious. It was an accident. But Lamaisa, by being Michal Shabbos, by eating this food that's not kosher, whatever it is, Lamaisa, some damage was done to your neshama. A person eats something poisonous, it doesn't matter, it was an accident. Lamaisa, you ate something poisonous. So it needs a kapar, just meets out the fact that some tumma was you know, injected into your neshama because of that, that avera. Okay, that's, the, that's what the Ramban says. Now if you take a look at the, the other page that you have, this is, uh, this is a saver called Eitzra Chaim, it's from the, the Kamarna Rebbe. I've, I've, I've mentioned him in, 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 you know, in past as well. He's one of the G'dayle G'dayle Chassidim, G'dayle Mekubalim in the uh, sort of late 1800s. The Kamarna Rabbi. So he wrote, uh, so in the Sefer of your Eitzer Achaim, so you see where there's like two arrows? Okay, so we're not going to be able to go through, first of all, it's, it's long, but even besides that, we're not able to go through the entire paragraph over here. So we'll start the beginning of it, and then we'll move to the, to the bottom of it. Let me give you a little bit of a background again what he's talking about. The, the, the idea that he's coming from is the following concept. We know that this, when other region ate from the Yitzhadas, that was, that was a game changer. That really changed, changed everything. That's uh, you know, an understatement. So one of, the, one of the effects of eating from the Yitzhadas was is that before that experience, everything was very clear in its category, categories. There was taif and there was ra. There was, there was evil in the world, right? There was the Nachash. The Nachash existed, right? But the Nachash, the Nachash entered into Gan Eden. That was part of the problem. Initially, Gan Eden was holy, and there was like the bad neighborhood that the Nachash came from. Everything was divided. Good and evil were very separate. Very, very separate. Even within the Nefesh Adam, within human being himself, within Adam and Chava, they were completely good. There was no Ra mixed up within them. As a result of the Chet, again, and... We're not going to explain, like, how would they sin if they didn't have any Ra within them. It's not the point. But Lamaisa, once they sinned with the Yetzadas, then everything became mixed up. And everything that exists is a mixture of good and evil. And part of the avoid of the human being is not just to connect to good. Part of the avoid of the human being is to try to expunge from themselves, to try to destroy and, you know, seek and destroy the evil from within themselves. So all of Yiddishkeit is built on that, right? There's positive mitzvahs which are about enhancing the good. And there's Loisa essays about st- staying away from the bad, right? So you, you want to push away the bad and, and raise up the good. But here's, here's the Chiddush. 
The Chiddush is as follows. Said the Kamarna, as long as you're, you still have good and evil within you, then you, you have to think of the evil that's within a person, again, from the time they're born, it's not your fault, but the evil that's within a person, everything needs to be sustained. Everything demands chiyas. Everything needs energy to be able to exist, including good, including evil. And therefore, as long as a person has ra within them, that ra, that yetzar that you have within you, is going to be demanding, and it's going to, it's going to demand from you some sort of sustenance. Just like a person's, uh, a person's family, right? A person's the breadwinner of the family, then everyone under his uh, rishus has the right to demand sustenance and to exist, right? That's part of the deal. So, so to everything within, that's within your bias, which is your, you know, your body and your, and your, and yourself, that ha- is demanding of you chiyas. And so here's, here's the funny dynamic, is that when a person becomes like tzadik yisod oilam and gets rid of ra from himself, okay, then all he has to sustain within himself is taiv. How do you, how do you give parnasa to that part of you that's good? Mitzvah and taivim. How do you give parnasa to that part of you which is ra? It's through averis. So God forbid you're not supposed to do that on purpose. But as we're going to see in the Kamarna, the Rabbani Shalom has a way of making sure that each one of us give a parnasa to that part of us which is Ra, through Averis, and obviously not to do it on purpose, but an Aver B'Shoigeg is a way of us sustaining our own Yitzhahara without us getting too involved in that process. When a person is, when a person, you know, uh, 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 you know um, mentally and purposefully does something, that means you're getting very much involved in that action. When you do something already accidentally, it's happened, so it means you did it, but the, the major part of who you are wasn't really involved, right? Because your intellect, your rutzen wasn't really there. But yet, you did it. The Averis that are done by are functioning as a way of sustaining your Sahara without you having to get too, too dirty in the process. But it is sustaining your Sahara. Now, let, let's see inside how he, how he takes this. Let's see. Yeah. So it's a way, so we're going to see that that the, the, there's going to be different different types of shagi. There is going to be, listen. We're going to see this inside. I guess I'll just say it outside before we see it. The Rabbanu Shlomo until Mashiach comes wants everyone to have a yitzar. This is part of the deal. So there is going to be a very very basic level of parnasa that you have to give your Yetzirah until the coming of Mashiach. And therefore, it's a scary thought, but the Kamarna says, therefore, every, even Tzadik Yisrael Olam is going to at some point in his life do something wrong, at least accidentally, in order to make sure that his Yetzirah is sustained enough to maintain free will, right? To keep his Yetzirah going, to keep him as a human being. What becomes, when we're talking about a carbon chattas, which is brought, as you, as you remember, a chattas is brought not for just doing, uh, touching muksa by accident. Chattas is brought when he did an avera that's chayv kares by accident. So that already the commander is going to talk about. Why would the Rabbani Shlalom get you involved in doing, a carbon, doing an avera b'shaygig on a, a huge avera like that, b'shaygig? So then the commander is going to explain is that that happens when you're not, in, when, you're, when, you're, when you're being negligent in terms of battling your Yetzirah. And because you're not constantly pushing down your Yetzirah, the voice of Yetzirah, the demands of the Yetzirah become stronger and stronger and stronger because of that, to the point of where the Rebbe Shalom says, okay, listen, you know, Yetzirah is making so much noise. 
we have to give it, you have to give it not, just, not just to throw it a bone, you have to give it a whole parnasa. And so the way the Rabbanu Shalom does is that he makes you do an aver b'shaygeg on the level of a chatas. And so these are the different things. In other words, think of it like this. Like, it, like the Yitzhar is like this little chihuahua, you know what I'm saying, that's like barking at your feet while you're sitting and eating a meal and you have to throw it a bone. So if you're constantly just like kicking it away and, you know, so listen, it, it is hungry, it is your dog, you have to support it, so fine. Even if you're kicking it away and it's, and it's becoming a little bit more, you know, less less confident, a little bit more meek, okay, so you'll still throw a little scrap. But if you don't kick it away constantly, it's just going to get more and more brazen. And instead of just like making a little bark here and there, it's going to jump on your lap and it's going to start eating your own food. So that's what the command is talking about. Whenever a various b'shegeg happen, it's one of these two types. Either you're a tzaddik and you're fighting a yitzar constantly, but no, until Mashiach comes, the Rabbanu Shalom decreed everyone has to have a yitzar, so you have no choice but to throw it a little scrap. What's the little scrap? You touch muks by accident. A small little avera b'shegeg. And that's part of the Rabbanu Shalom's cheshven. And it doesn't take away from the fact that you have to do tshuva for it, but that's, that's part of Hashgach HaPrat, how the Rabbanu Shalom runs the world in a mysterious way. But if you're not someone that's fighting the, the Chihuahua and you just, you're allowing it to grow and grow and grow and get it more bold and more bold and more bold, then it's going to get to the point of where it's demanding a whole huge parnasa, not just a little scrap, and then the Rebbe is going to give it a huge parnasa by making this person do an Aver B'Shaygig that's a serious Aver, to the point of where you get a carbon Chattas. Therefore, what a Chattas is, as we're going to see soon, what a Chattas is, is to sort of realign the balance of the person. To realign, to... to to reintroduce the person to the fight. Where until now, the person did an Aver B'Shoigig, that was a serious Aver B'Shoigig, right? Aver of, of, of Kares B'Shoigig. That meant that this guy hasn't been fighting. He hasn't been fighting. He's, maybe he's a, he's a religious guy, but he hasn't really been engaged in that Mochemes HaYetzer. To the point of where his Yetzer is demanding a huge meal. And he got the huge meal. And so what a Chattas does... The process of the chattis is that it, it, it reintroduces the person to the mochama. The person's mechazik himself, I, I, have to, I, have to, I have to take life, you know, my Yiddish guy more seriously, and I have to start kicking away this chihuahua and teaching it who's boss. And then, the only averus that this guy might do b'shoigig is then a, a klein azach that he just has to do because of what the Rabbanu Shalom needs him to do in order to keep him as a human being. That's the, the process. Of it. it's a, again, it's a, mind, it's a mind-blowing idea. So let's, let's see it inside how the, how the Kamarna puts it. Again, in the beginning. So now, my brother, Tavinu, you should understand. The chatas is brought because of the fact that you have within you an, an, an inherent chesaron, which is evil, and from the other side, a yetzahara. The salak ruguna tadir, which is always like sort of nipping at your feet and, 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 and demanding something from you. The kivan sheish by kayachara, and since you have within you this negative quality, which is again not your fault, that's that's as a result of Adam and Chava. But you've been negligent in terms of pushing it down. You've been allowing it to get more and more brazen. Then the evil is going to get its own parnas. It's going to jump on the table and start eating your own food. And by doing so, and, and what, what's going to happen is that, you're, that the person is going to do an Aver B'Shaygeg, it's not on purpose, but he's going to do an Aver B'Shaygeg, which carries Kares, right? And that's the way of the Yetzar sort of getting its big meal that it's demanding. But if this is only, you know, but when you're talking about a Tzad Gomer that doesn't have any Ra within him, 
So again, this is talking about someone who's been who's been negligent. He hasn't been fighting. You know, what I'm saying so. The the yitzhar is becoming more and more brazen. When you're dealing with a tzaddik gomer that doesn't have a yitzhar bchalal, then things are different. Then the person's not going to do averus like this. Okay, he goes on. He goes on. Now he says you're gonna you're gonna start looking through Tanakh and you're gonna start thinking about okay, Moshe Ben did Avera and big people did Averis and you're gonna start saying man, but that's the Cheshbon. So he says Chas V'Shalom. You talk about big big tzaddikim. Even when you have big tzaddikim, that they seem to do things at least accidentally wrong, like Rishayim do. Don't start. Uh, you know, don't, don't, we don't have the ability to, to understand how their banishlam works with these big tzaddikim. And so on. So we don't have a sug on that. But for people like us, this is the process. Now, if you, if you move um, to the next arrow, to the bottom. So again, the, the, it's the last word in the line over there that's pointing to. Ube'emes, um, yeah? So it says, matzadik So now he, he goes to clarify. Now, if the tzadik is in, in, in he's engaged in the Melchemes and he's, and, he's, and, he's, and he's, he's, he's putting down his Yetzer, he's always in that fight. And by doing so, he's weakening the strength of the Yetzirah constantly. And from its strength. Then then he's not going to have this, uh, this big Aver B'Shaygig happen to him. Every once in a while, a small Klein Aver, so to speak, that's B'Shaygig, might happen to him in order to make sure that the Yetzirah isn't completely, you know, uh, 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 dies of starvation within him. Until the day of Mashiach comes, where the Rabbanu Shalom decided, that's it, we're getting rid of the Yitzhar. But until that day, the Rabbanu Shalom wants everyone to have the Yitzhar. So we can't let it to starve to death. So you've got to give it something. But that little something that you're going to give is going to be a klein avir b'shaygig once in a while. And then immediately the tzaddik is going to do tshuva for that, so there's not going to be any carryover. Carry you know, the Yitzhar is not going to uh, you know, build on that to become even more brazen. The tzaddik is immediately going to give it a kick, you know. But again, but if a person doesn't engage in that mochama, to diminish it and to lower its stature, and you have no choice but to feed your Yitzhara, and the Yetzar is demanding its parnasa. Then Then this person is going to find themselves doing a big avera. depending on the level of their Yetzahara, in order that the ra within him should have a parnasa. and the Yetzar is right. It does. It has the right to demand the parnasa as long as it's within your house. You know. And to the extent that a person allows the Yitzhar to grow and to have like sort of dominion by getting involved in Olam Hazah too much, and the person isn't learning enough, and so on and so forth. and the secrets of to diminish the Yitzhar. So, uh, so he says, then, you know, unfortunately, Yitzhar could become more and more brazen. And the person will do this Avir to sustain one's Yitzhar. That's why you have the person that has to do tshuva for everything, even a shagig, because even shagig has a way of, of, of building up, of giving a parnasa to the Yitzhar. So that's, uh, again, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing idea. But halacha l'maysa, again, in Shalma Parnas of Hussein, where we're learning about a carbon chattas, the Indian of the chattas, again, based on what we're learning with the Kamarna, the Indian of the chattas is to re-engage in that battle. 
to re-engage that battle, to, to remind yourself of who's boss. That's basically much what it is. Remind yourself who's boss. The Neshama's in charge. I'm in charge. And me, it's hard. Does what, the, yeah, I have to, okay, the Rebbe will work it out how it's sustained until Mashiach comes. But I'm the one in charge, and I have to eventually, you know, every once in a while give it a kick and to teach it who's boss. That's the avoid of the carbon chattas. That's why when you brought a carbon chattas, usually the person would then also bring a carbon oil, because once you're sort of realigned in terms of who you are and your relationship with yourself and with the Rabbanish Shleilam, okay, so now it's, then you bring a carbon oil and you could sort of, you know, take it to the next level. Okay, we should be zeichet to, uh, to become realigned. <laughs>